Welcome to the Scripts and Scribes podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Fukunaga. For more great interviews and resources on the craft and business of writing, be sure to check out our companion website, scriptsandscribes.com. But first, we welcome to the show a former lit agent, manager, and tech entrepreneur who has parlayed his various skills and experience into SpecScout, the popular screenplay tracking and evaluation website. His prior script tracking site, It's on the Grid, sold to the Wrap in 2011, and he followed up with the highly informative and influential Scoggins Report, which tracks all spec and pitch sales and offers up detailed reports on the screenplay marketplace. We welcome Mr. Jason Scoggins. Thanks for joining us today, Jason. Oh, thanks, Kevin. It's my pleasure. Um, so I guess before we dive into the Scoggins Report, Spec Scout, and the spec market, and all that stuff, let's talk a little bit about Jason. Uh, how did you get your start in the business and what made you want to work in sort of the entertainment industry in general? Um, wow. So first of all, it's been a long time, <laughs> but uh, I sort of got the film or the you know entertainment business bug really mm-hmm. early. Um, this is going to date me, but my dad took me to see Star Wars at the Chinese theater in Hollywood when I was in grade school. Okay. And that was sort of my entree into it. I mean, I just was captivated. So I always, you know, I've always been a huge movie buff and uh, didn't even really know that it was something that people do for a living until I got to college. And as I came out of college, um, I messed around for a couple of years, but figured out um, by reading and by talking to people that the way into the business was to become an assistant. So my first way, my first job inside the business was as an assistant at ICM, um, in the television department, working for the head of worldwide television at the time, um, a woman named Nancy Josephson. Mm-hmm. And that was my first gig. And I was off to the races. Right. And then I know you became um, a TV lit agent at Gersh and Writers and Artists. You left to work in the tech industry for a few years and then came back as a feature lit manager and partner at Protocol. So how did sort of all of these experiences uh, lead you to create It's on the Grid, the Scoggins Report, ultimately Spec Scout? Yeah, that's a great question. So you set the table perfectly. So I, I, I got promoted a couple of times internally at ICM and became a TV lit agent, got my wings, so to speak, when I went to Gersh, um, did that for several years and then left. Um, but I always had, you know, I had, like I said, I had the entertainment industry in my blood at that point. And it's one of those things where, you know, once it's there, it's hard to get rid of. Um, so about the time that my daughter was born several years ago, I started thinking about what I want to do with my life. It's one of those sort of you know, watershed moments. Right. And I realized that I just needed to get back in the entertainment business in some way. And that's harder than it would seem. Even though I had experience in the business, it wasn't like I could just you know move back from Park City, Utah, where we were living, um, and show up in Los Angeles and say, I'm here, and suddenly have a career. So... Um, you know, my options were relatively limited. I mean, you can be entrepreneurial in a couple of different ways, but most jobs in the business require relationships and require, you know, years and years of building your career. And I had punched out for several years. So I was starting from scratch. So when you're starting from scratch, there's really only a couple of options. You can be a producer, for example, but that requires either a bunch of material that you control or a big pile of money that you can spend. Um, and I had neither one of those. Uh, but being a manager is relatively um, is relatively easy to enter. It's hard to be successful at, and we can talk about that in a minute. But um, it, you can hang a shingle and be a manager if you've got that skill set, and you can build a client list over time, and um, you know rise back up based on the strength of your client list. 
So that was my route. And you mentioned protocol earlier. It was founded by one of my, well, two guys, but one of them in particular was a very good friend of mine. And so when I was thinking about coming back to the entertainment business, I asked if I could build a book of business under their uh, umbrella, um, say that I worked at protocol and, and they agreed. And that was really helpful. So I moved back. I had a day job. And so over the course of about a year and a half, two years, I started letting people know that I was looking for clients and read a lot of stuff and took a bunch of referrals and had a little um, had a little management business. I'd be the first to say that it was uh, <laughs> small, both in terms of the stature of my client list and the number. Mm-hmm. Uh, but part of that was due to the time. So when I entered back into the business, it was the beginning of 2007. Uh, and as you probably remember, just right. a few months later, the writer's strike happened. And so it was perfect timing. Right. You couldn't have picked it better. Exactly. So fast forwarding, you you asked about the Scoggins report and it's on the grid. So we fast forward to 2009. I sort of suffered through 2007 and 2008, just like everybody else. But I was actively trying to build my book and trying to learn as much as I could about the business, about the feature side of the business, because I had been a TV lit agent previously. And also building relationships. It's a crucial thing, you know, on all every side of the entertainment business. Relationships are everything whether you're an aspiring writer or not. And so I was really starting from scratch when I came back to the business. Um, so what I did during the two years where not, not a whole lot was going on was you know, developing my relationships and networking and getting myself ready so that I could take advantage when the business started to return. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the beginning of 2009, there hadn't been a huge amount of spec activity and pitch activity over the previous two years, but I had been tracking fairly closely. And right about this time, I guess it was April 2009, um, on one of the tracking boards that I was a part of, someone asked, hey, does anybody have any numbers for how many scripts have come out, how many have sold? Um, There really wasn't anyone who was um, adding up all the numbers sort of on an ongoing basis. There was um, a couple of people that would look back at the year and say, here's what we think happened over the course of the last year. Mm -hmm. But nobody was tracking it in real time. So... I responded to that tracking board post with the numbers. I had to put all that stuff in a spreadsheet and I'm kind of, you know, I'm not exactly statistics oriented, but, you know, certainly uh, numbers friendly, I guess. Right. So I added everything up and Your wrote statistics it up in a post. Adjacent. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's completely unscientific. We can right. talk about that more. And that's part of the, the about the Scoggins report. Now, what I wanted to say is this is sort of a, an advertisement, I guess, for the Scoggins Report, because I do think that it's an immensely valuable resources, a resource for screenwriters. I can't emphasize that enough. Well, thank you. How much time do you spend gathering all this information? Because, again, you track all the spec sales, all the pitch sales. You put it together in these documents that anyone can download. Uh, how much time do you spend doing this? You know, I know it started sort of for your own use, but now it's readily available. So how much time do you spend doing that? Sure. Um, well, it might be useful to sort of talk about what it, how much time it took in the past, but I'll just sure. answer the question and say now that I've got, um, I, I do the Scoggins Report with uh, my colleague Landon Rowetter. Mm-hmm. Um, and prior to Landon joining me doing that, um, I think it was midsummer last year, I, my former assistant and then former colleague Cindy Kaplan was doing it as well. So between the two of us, we probably... Um, we probably each spend somewhere in the neighborhood of six or eight hours a week total mm-hmm. uh, from in, you know, all the tracking stuff that we do, plus assembling the report every week. Um, that's down from when I first started doing it. It was much more time intensive. Mm-hmm. Um, what we do and sort of I think the methodology is, is probably useful. So we pay attention to all the trades mm-hmm. um, 
when we first started out, I didn't get as many incoming calls and emails as I do now from um, from reps letting sure. me know that they're taking material to the marketplace or in particular letting me know when stuff sells. So at the outset, it was, I really relied a lot on the relationships and the, and the tracking boards that I was a part of. And those are sort of small, fo- informal groups of people that share information. Um, and I really relied a lot on that at the outset and then put it all into a spreadsheet. And anyway, it used to take... It used to take anywhere from probably 12 or 15 hours a week to more, depending on how intensive it was. And certain of the reports take more time, like the year-end stuff takes a lot more time as we're going back through all the numbers and checking everything. Um, so over the, t- over, over the last couple of years, we've sort of figured out how to do this where it doesn't get in the way of our day jobs, for example. We can do it sort of on the fly. Um, so these days it probably takes yeah, be- between between four and eight hours probably a week for Landon and another four hours for me um, to do the sort of, you know, cross-checking and then writing the introduction, which is, um, you know, takes a little bit of time depending on how much there is to talk about. Right. And we've had a lot of agents and managers on the show and uh, the ones at the top of, of your list in terms of spec sales <laughs> and pitch sales are, are very proud of that fact. So uh, it, it is widely used and widely recognized. Well, thank you. It's been it's been kind of nice. I mean, if someone else was doing something like this, mm-hmm. um, I think it would be, you know, it, it's nice that it's sort of become a thing, like you said. Like, you right. know, the agents and managers who sell material, they, they like to make sure that we know about it so that we can, um, we're not exactly promoting them, but just by the fact that we're mentioning it and sort of referring back to it and keeping score, um, you know, everybody likes to know where they stand in relation to their peers right. and competitors. Absolutely, especially agents and managers who yes. tend to be sort of competitive, which is... <laughs> um, <laughs> to say the least, yes. Yeah. Um, now, talking about um, the strike, the 2007-2008 mm-hmm. strike, which obviously you started your management career right before that, and I read recently that 2014 has seen the second best start to the year in terms of sales since before the strike, because we all know that the years immediately following the strike were uh, they were not good for most screenwriters. But the general consensus is that the market might be sort of rebounding, even if not completely. And since the business is cyclical, uh, the hopes are that we might be rounding a corner, so to speak. What's your prediction on the market, if you have one? Being someone who keeps track of the market as closely as you do, what do you think is to come in the market? Yeah, that's a great question. I wish I had a crystal ball. So <laughs> I'll say that... Um, there's been enough times over the last five. We've been doing this since two, the beginning of 2009 now. So I've got five full years of numbers and we're, you know, a third of the way through the sixth year. And there's been a bunch of times where I've, you know, looked back at some great numbers. I'm, I'm actually looking at the overall numbers um, from the last spec, spec market scorecard that I did last week. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at 2009's numbers, for example, and seeing some great sales numbers. And then it just dropped off a cliff in June of 2009 and really didn't return until, you know, in terms of, you know, a high number of spec scales until 2011. So it's difficult to predict. Sure. Uh, and I will say one other thing that, yes, and this is a, the, pretty much the same dynamic. At the end of February, I think in, in a... Um, in a Scoggins report sort of intro, I said, hey, second best start. And then, you know, depending on how the numbers in the next two months go, like everything can change. And in fact, that's what happened in March. March's numbers were pretty low. And we ended up with the second worst, you know, first quarter of the year in the past six years. So, so let me start, let me just sort of reiterate that this isn't scientific and that predictions are, 
um, you know, very, very unreliable. I will say, though, I do, you know, looking back at the total number of spec sales from the last three years, mm-hmm. uh, there have been relatively strong numbers. So even though, if you, even though we've gone through a couple of, you know, two-month periods here and there where the numbers get low and it feels like there's not a lot of, um, there's not a lot of activity, I do feel like 2014 is um, going to be a strong year. And here's why. Last year, we had pretty good numbers. The total number of spec sales that we tracked were 124, and that compares to the previous two years of 132. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not a crazy amount down, definitely down from the previous two years, but not bad, and still a pretty solid number for the total, um, total number of spec sales. However, the studio purchases out of that number were, were pretty low. All year long, we saw pretty low numbers of specs uh, being purchased by the big studios. And this year, by contrast, the studio numbers are up. I think, um, I think the number was a third more scripts purchased by studios in the first quarter of this year than the first quarter of last year. So I think I tend to look and see what the studios are doing collectively. And because this year Sony um, has jumped back into the mix, and Universal has gotten started a little earlier, we're seeing better numbers on the studio side. And there's been enough seven-figure and semi-bidding um, war style purchases over the last several months um, that I think you know there's still an appetite out there or sort of a renewed appetite for specs on the part of studios. And I think that um, has a sort of cascading effect through the rest of the market as well. So I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty uh, optimistic that um, 2014 will end up on par with the last several years. Okay. And I guess you would mention studio purchases, which is what we were talking about, rising uh, yes. as opposed to previous years. Now, why do you think that is if you were to hazard a guess? Because I'd heard other theories, one that a majority of the good IPs are used up, uh, so they're having to look outwards in terms of other original spec ideas. It could be just random or it could be possibly because before the, the last strike, every uh, studio had a phone book sized list of material that they'd already purchased, scripts, pitches, treatments, whatever that they had purchased. And that's starting to dwindle as well. What is your opinion on, if you have one, on why you think studios might be purchasing more material? Well, I think, so my short answer is every studio is different. And I think there were enough things going on external to the spec market last year at the studios that it had an impact on uh, the number of pieces of original material they were buying, both specs and pitches, by the way. Um, So if you look at Sony, you know, they famously had, um, you know, they wrote down a bunch of um, you know, losses based on underperforming movies. And there's, you know, been belt tightening at Sony. There hasn't been the regime change that we've seen at other studios. So at Warner Brothers and Universal, um, even Fox with Tom Rothman leaving. I mean, there's been a lot of upheaval at different companies and that has a direct impact on, um, you know, the purchasing behavior. Um, I wish I could, (laughs) I wish I had access to, um, sort of the internal meetings and you have a better <laughs> sense of what's going on internal at each studio. Right. Um, uh, you know, I just don't have that level of access. But uh, what we can see from the numbers is that, you know, when Warner Brothers, for example, has um, has uh, sort of reverberations at the top when they were, you know, trying to find who the next CEO of Warner Brothers would be, um, 
you know, we saw a drop off from 2011 in the number of specs they bought in 2012, and then that carried into 2013. Um, Sony twice in the last six years has bought uh, next to zero specs. In, in 2010, I don't know if you were paying attention or remember this, but they actually announced that they would not be buying any new material in 2010. They ended up buying one spec. The previous year, they bought five. And then interestingly, last year, again, with this belt tightening, it, um, it was two again. Yet, now in 2014, Columbia Pictures, the Sony, um, the Sony label has bought five. Mm -hmm. And I would expect to see um, TriStar, which is um, sort of risen from the dead under Tom Rothman there, I bet they'll be buying some specs and packages and pitches as well this year. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Mm -hmm. So if I was going to sort of wrap all of that up, I would say that it's not that the entire business or all studios... Um, had some systemic problem. It's just that a bunch of them had um, different issues that um, sort of depressed their appetite for original material. Um, intellectual property and franchises and reboots, that's kind of a different question. I'm happy to talk about that as well. I don't know, though, that it, there was some, you know, some consensus that you know, all the studios at the same time said, oh, we don't need any specs this year. We've got plenty of this other material. I don't really think it works like that. I think it really is um, an internal business model problem more so than an, an appetite for a particular type of underlying material. Right. Now, let's touch upon Spec Scout. Sure. Because there are a lot of screenplay evaluation and posting services out there. Some, are, I think, are, are valuable. Some are probably not worth their salt. But I do think that Specscout is sort of unique in that. Well, maybe I'll let you describe it, but I know that Specscout has, you know, you offer readings from three separate readers on the same script. And but maybe you can describe a little bit about Specscout and how it differs from other script development coverage posting sites. Sure, sure. So just to sort of um, set the table, Specscout is a website um, that I founded a couple of years with a couple of partners, um, and we're doing three different things. Um, and the, the important part that you've already sort of touched on is the coverage service or the, or the screenplay evaluation service. But let me sort of rewind one step and say that we are tracking the spec market, which should be no surprise considering the Scoggins report is living there. And that's sort of what I've been focusing on for several years. Right. We're tracking the spec market. Um, the material that hits the spec market when we, um, we, when we can, we lay hands on those scripts and we provide coverage of those scripts. And we put that in a, in a library, basically. So we've got this coverage library of um, and tracking process that we're doing for spec market scripts. And we make the coverage library available to industry pros. It's not publicly available for everybody. It's just for agents and managers and producers and executives and directors, people that are actively involved in, um, in the spec market already. They're the people that we allow in to, um, you know, to see our tracking and to read the coverage that we're doing. And and the third piece, I just I just wanted oh, to interject and, and clarify that these are scripts that are being sent out to the market by agents and managers by reps and not submitted to your site, correct? Correct. The stuff that I just mentioned is the spec market um, writ large. So the same processes by which we're tracking the market for the Scoggins report, mm -hmm. we are now putting that information in Spec Scout. So you could go and search for a given writer name or a particular project. Um, there's different lists that our industry pros can, um, can click on so they can see all of last year's material. Um, not so much the material, I wanna to hasten to add, we're not allowing the screenplays themselves to be sure. downloaded, mm -hmm. it's just the coverage. We don't, right. we don't have um, permission to distribute 
um, spec market scripts per se. Sure. So, but we are tracking, and it's sort of helpful to sort of see that stuff and be able to search for it. Um, so that was one of the driving forces behind this. Um, the other driving force is that when I was um, when I was working on It's on the Grid several years ago, uh, which was an open writing assignment, open directing assignment, and spec script database. Mm-hmm. Um, that you mentioned I sold that to the RAP in 2011. Um, before I did that, I was thinking about the idea of a screenplay scoring service or a screenplay ranking system. Um, and when I stopped working for It's on the Grid, I started thinking about that again. And that was one of the driving forces for Spec Scout. Mm-hmm. So... That so a scoring system is something we focused on when we were working on uh, the coverage that I just mentioned. So what we do is we we have a 100 point scale for our spec scout score, and the idea is that the higher you score or higher script scores, the better it is. And to come up with that score, we found that we needed to have at least three people read every script so that we re- remove the sort of, you know, jaded or disgruntled reader factor. And also just there's a truism that one person might one person might read a script and love it and another person might read it and hate it. Mm-hmm. And so rather than have one person determine whether a script lives or dies, um, having multiple people weigh in and have a scoring system that they all use um, can sort of um, can sort of smooth out those rough edges. Sure. So we built this coverage system and we make that available to uh, writers for a fee as well. So what we're doing is um, we have three people read every script that gets submitted to us mm-hmm. and have the same scoring system, the same rubric that we apply to spec market material is applied to um, scripts that are submitted to us from writers directly. And the stuff that scores high enough, um, and our cutoff point is 68 on this 100-point scale, that seems to be about the average, um, the average number for spec market material itself. So the material that gets submitted to us by writers, if it scores that high, we feel like it is worthy of being seen side by side with spec market material. Mm-hmm. So we invite those writers to let us put the, that, um, put the coverage of their material in our coverage library as well. And this is all voluntary, meaning if a writer submits a script and it doesn't get the score that they were hoping for, they don't have to have... Oh. Totally, totally. It's not. It's definitely not. A, hey, you gave it to us. Now we can use your coverage. It's not like that. The idea is that if you want exposure to our subscribers, our industry pro subscribers, mm-hmm. um, then we are happy to put your coverage in our coverage library. And then, if it does, we have a couple of other advantages um, that I can talk about more. Um, but yes, it's completely voluntary. So what often happens uh, is a script will come in, it'll score, you know, let's say it scores 68, 69, even 70, mm-hmm. which is good scores, by the way. Um, a writer will have all the feedback from our three readers and know exactly how to improve the script. And what they'll often do is go do a new draft, resubmit it. it most of the time it scores higher. Most of, most of the time the, the new draft is an improvement. Um, and then the new, the new version of the script and its coverage is what they put in the coverage library. Right. I got you. And you would mention that there are other advantages. Right. So if, you're, if your script scores a 68 or above, 
then and you want us to put it in our coverage library, we do. And then you are able to sort of create a mini profile of yourself so mm -hmm. that you can have all your contact information and a little bit of background. But the big advantage is that you can also upload all of your other, whatever other screenplays that you've written, you can upload those so that when somebody sees, let's say I'm looking at the homepage of Spec Scout right now, for example. And so there's a script from March that scored fairly high called Royal Apache. Mm -hmm. And the writing team can upload other scripts that so that if somebody sees Royal Apache and, and thinks whether that script is right for them or not, they would click on the writer's name and then see all the other material that's available um, by those writers as well. So it's kind of an online home or a, or a profile basically where writers who have at least one script that qualifies mm -hmm. can upload their other material. And we add a little tag so that um, our industry pros know that we haven't reviewed the material that we haven't reviewed. Mm -hmm. but the, our, our theory is that if the, a writing team or a writer has written one script that qualifies, then the rest of their material is worth taking a look at as well. Gotcha. Now, I don't know if you can disclose this or if it's readily available, but how many industry pros have signed up for Spec Scout so far? I can't disclose the actual number, but I'll say that it's closer to 1,000 than 500 at this okay. point. Sure. So it's not a small number. It's not, no, no. You know, it's not giant either. I mean, by... Uh, for you know, in the first year, actually, we were charging uh, $19 a month for industry pros to have access to it. Mm -hmm. And even though that's not a crazy amount of money, there is sort of a throttling thing that happens when you right. charge for something. Um, there's plenty of other examples where um, where people have charged for stuff and then um, then stopped. And as of about a month ago, we stopped charging our pros for access to the database. So it's completely free for industry pros, and you can you know <laughs> we had a pretty big. Um, pretty big bump in our subscribership uh, from that point. It was, I think, I can't remember the exact date, but it was basically mid-March this year. And as we're recording this, it's the end of April. Um, and we've gotten close to doubling the number of subscribers over the past six weeks. Right. Well, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I've poked around the site. And I'm not in the development world, but I, I've poked around. And I, I, if I were in development, I would think it would be useful if I was looking for material and looking for, or, you know, looking for clients if I was, you know. Right. Patient. Well, thank you. That's exactly um, what we're hoping. You know, the yeah. idea here is not uh, it's not just to be tracking and have it be a tracking tool. It's also sort of a discovery tool. Our approach to discovery is different from some of the other um, services out there, which are also excellent. Um, but our our theory is that by having this quality component, that we there's a vetting process that goes on. So if you're an industry pro and you're seeing something that we have. Um, that we have included from one of our writer clients. You may not be, it may not be a perfect script for you or it may not fit your business model or what have you, but what it will certainly uh, live up to is your expectations of quality. So it's not going to be a waste of your time uh, from a quality of the script perspective. Right. Now, I would love to ask, what are sort of the qualifications of your readers? Where do you get them from and what are you looking for? Um, we get them a lot from referrals. So everybody has some level of experience already doing coverage. We're not training somebody to do coverage from scratch. Mm -hmm. uh, but there is a training process. Um, so let me back up a step. And, and I mentioned earlier the idea that um, it's important for each of our readers, each of the three readers on a given script, to be using the same rules or the same rubric, the same lens through which to think about the quality of a script. Um, and so people who have done coverage before, it's a big advantage, but we still have to train them to think or to, to use this lens um, and be assessing the script the same exact way. So there's a, I think it takes about three months, and it's a, it's a lot of scripts that 
um, that the readers do before they are um, before they are doing coverage for our paid um, you know for our, our writer clients basically. Um, so by the time they start doing that for our writer clients, they've written somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty or thirty um, thirty sets of coverage for us already. Oh, okay. I guess something else I wanted to touch base on. I know the Blacklist, which is sort of a similar service, has deals and, and partnerships with some outside networking companies. Do you expect SpecScout, or are you looking for SpecScout to do something similar in the future, or is that something that you're not really interested in, in doing? Well, I think it would be fantastic for us to establish similar relationships um, mm-hmm. to the way Blacklist has. I think some of, the, some of the ones that the Blacklist has done probably wouldn't fit the fit our model too much, but sure. you know the idea of feeding writers into uh, into a program for one of the studios or some of the networks. I think that it's a brilliant move on the part of the blacklist. I think it's a great service that they provide uh, for people who have strong enough material to get um, to make it into the recommendation engine that they've got. I think it's great, um, no question about it. And the relationships that they're developing with the studios and networks can be really helpful for the writers whose material um, qualifies. Um, so it's great. So yeah, you know, as we sort of, you know, you know, we've, we've been running for about a year doing spec scout and, Mm -hmm. um, we've learned a lot about what's working for us and what's working for our clients. We have 100%, well, I'd say 99%, um, satisfaction on the part of our writer clients. The testimonials that we get are kind of crazy, you know, love letters, which is very gratifying. So, We've been really focusing on just that core service and making the website be helpful to our industry pro subscribers. And then as we go as part of our marketing, yeah, I would love to sort of establish those relationships with agencies and management companies and studios as well. Um, right. Through through the Scoggins Report, I have a lot of relationships with reps in particular. And so what I think our focus would probably be, um, in fact, I already do this sort of on the side. It's not an official part of our service, but when a particularly strong script comes in, um, I send a private email to a list of about 40, in fact, I think 45 agents and managers now saying, hey, you should take a look at this script. It's going to be on the site next week. Um, and the writers are on rep. So I'm already doing sort of a recommendation service on, you know, in the background. Oh. Um, and I, you know, it's not something that we promote too heavily because it's kind of a one, it's kind of a case by case thing. Sure. It's not like I can say every month we send an email right. to 50 people with the five people who qualify because sometimes, you know, we can't control the quality of the material that we're getting. So <laughs> in, in one month, we might not have somebody whose material is strong enough uh, for a personal recommendation. And other times I might have one or two. So right. as we go forward and the number of submissions that we get um, continues to rise, it's been pretty nice to see the the growth over the last year. Um, we'll probably have enough volume where we can do that on a more consistent basis as well. Right, right. No, absolutely. Now, speaking to all the listeners out there, I wanted to mention that we at Scripts and Scribes don't advocate necessarily going out and spending a ton of money getting things covered. But for writers who can't get read or, you know, having a problem getting read or are unsure of the quality of their material, I do think that getting read is a great way to get material, get evaluations of your material from an objective third party. And in situations like SpecScout and sites like The Blacklist, where there's an additional level of professionalism, obviously there's industry ties. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that that can provide an extra set of value for the average writer. Now, I know a lot of writers don't have a substantial amount of money, but it's an investment. And again, I'm not saying that every writer should go out and put all their scripts on SpecScout or get read by any number of readers out there. I'm just saying that if um, a writer 
is having problems. You know, in other words, if you can call or, you know, query agents and managers and get them to read your material really easily and you are doing really well in that avenue, then that to me, that's probably the best bet. But for a majority of, of aspiring screenwriters out there who don't have those avenues, who don't have referrals, who may not be getting the response that they want and don't know why, sometimes I think, again, a, a paid reader, a spec scout, something like that can give you sort of an objective look at your material. Maybe it's a problem with your material that could be fixed or mm. you know, maybe you're just not reaching out to the right people and spec scout can provide that. Uh, and you know, contests too, Nickel, sure. Austin. I mean, I think these are great resources that people should be willing to look at. Um, and again, there is money cost involved, but if you want to be you know, an accountant or if you want to be whatever, you have to go to school, you have to pay for training. I mean, <laughs> right. it's just part of the process. Um, yeah. and, and I think you touch on two interesting things there, and I tend to think about them um, separately. So on the one hand, you're talking about uh, the feedback. I mm -hmm. think feedback is crucial. I think, sure. um, you know, writing is one of those things that you get better at over time. It's a skill. I think there's talent involved for sure, but I think it's a skill that you can learn and I think that requires practice. But I think the thing that you know, separates people who continue to improve every time they you know, sit down at their keyboard is whether they're getting very good feedback. Right. And so I think you know, great if you're part of a writing group that um, everybody shares their opinions and reads each other's material for free, I think that's awesome. I think that's in fact the first thing that you should do. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of people though that don't have um, sort of that community around them to give them um, wise and as objective as possible feedback. And so services like the Blacklist and, for, and Spec Scout can be ways to, as you say, get an assessment of the quality level of the script. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important. Feedback is really, really important to improve. And, and I would be the first to say that that is the, the first and foremost thing that Spec Scout is designed to do, is to provide as close to impartial and objective feedback as possible. And the reason that ours, our service costs, um, it's just under $200, it's $197. You know, the reason that our cost is, is um, as high as that is, it, I actually think it's not that high, but um, the reason is we've got three different people providing that feedback as opposed to some services that um, just do that for one. Right. Uh, you know, one person providing a couple hundred dollars. And I'm not judging them. You know, I'm, I'm sure that there are um, outstanding individual readers out there that, who's um, whose $200 service is fantastic. And then the separate thing that you're talking about is exposure to the industry. And we can talk about that and you know, getting exposed to agents and managers and, and buyers. Um, I do think that, as you said a second ago, knowing whether the script is good enough to be seen by everybody mm -hmm. um, is an important component as well. And then separately, yeah, if you don't have the relationships and people who can re recommend you and your material to um, somebody who can do with it, do something with it, then services like the Blacklist and Spec Scout and screenplay competitions are really good ways to um, start to get exposure for sure. No, absolutely. And I know money is tight for you know a lot of writers out there, so definitely the process should be researching which ones are worth your money and which ones aren't, because there are sure. dozens of coverage services, dozens of you know hundreds of readers out there, um, and there are many of them who probably are not worth uh, the money. You're, you're basically flushing money down the toilet. But then there are others who I think, you know, can provide a great service. Um, mm -hmm. But like you said, ultimately it comes down to the material. If your material is not ready to be sent out, if your material is not doing you justice, then uh, evaluations, yeah. um, especially by third party people, by people in the industry, I think that's 
the most important thing. I, I really think that if you've got a friend who has tried a particular individual reader and they said, oh my goodness, the, the, the experience was fantastic and it was whatever, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, five, whatever, like whatever the cost was, if you, if you have somebody who um, can vouch for the value that they spent, uh, I think that's fantastic. And I think, you know, everybody is different and their level of appetite for that, um, you know, depends on their individual circumstances. So, you know, I think there are individual readers out there who aren't as strong as others, individual services out there that are, you know, more or less aligned with your needs as a writer. Mm -hmm. um, so we've we've sort of designed what we're doing in a way that works for us financially. And so, you know, we make a little bit of money off of each one of these things, but really the bulk of what we're doing um, goes to the readers so that we can, you know, provide the service to, you know, that we're, that we're doing here. Right. Now, I guess I wanted to talk briefly on uh, sort of the response that Specs on Spec Scout have sort of got. I know you're sort of still relatively new um, right. in terms of having only been out for about a year. Are there any specific stories as of yet in terms of people getting representation or anything like that? And again, I know that only last month did you open it up to yeah. all reps right. and, and stuff like that. Well, uh, so or, or, yeah, so I, I can't speak to that. So the short version, um, and this is going to be a little dissatisfying because I don't have some great story about a particular person in a particular company. But um, over the past year, we've had about 60 scripts that have uh, qualified for inclusion in the coverage library. Mm -hmm. um, so of those 66 have gotten option offers from mm -hmm. producers. Um, but as you said, we made a change just six weeks ago, and I didn't actually mention one other change uh, that was actually a pretty important one, and I think it'll have an impact on the number of people that um, find representation and get offers going forward. So prior to the changes that I've already talked about, allowing people to create a profile and up upload other material, um, and also dropping the fee for industry pros, another thing that we were doing prior to that was um, making industry pros reach out directly to the writers if they wanted to read a particular script. So they could see the coverage, but if they wanted to read the script, they would have to reach out directly to the writers. Mm -hmm. And we we went back and forth when we first launched Spec Scout of whether we should allow industry pros to just download the material or if we you know should have them reach out to the writer. And we went the way we did. And what we noticed is that it's very, very easy not to reach out to a writer and say, hey, can I look at your material? Right. Um, in fact, it's more than that. It's, it's a bit of a risk, right? You're, you're opening up a dialogue with somebody you don't know, and you, you, even if you love the material, it might not be right for you for whatever reason, and now you've got this you know, either email or phone relationship with somebody uh, who may or may not sort of know how to manage that relationship effectively. Right. So... This spring, when we were making or planning to make the changes we made, we decided to go ahead and allow our industry pros to download the material. And then if they like the script, then they know that um, it's worth making that investment of time. And so um, I think what we'll see as we go forward, more people getting, um, getting discovered because they'll have actually read the material instead of just the coverage. Mm -hmm. No, that's, I think that's a good move, absolutely. And by the way, just in, in, in case there's any question, nobody whose material was in the coverage library, we, we, we went directly to every writer and said, this is the change we're making. If you're uncomfortable with that, no problem. We can, um, we can take your, your coverage and your, your project out of the coverage library. We're not trying to force anybody to um, have their material available. But this is the new way we're going forward. And this is, you know, we, we think it'll be a benefit to 
to you, but if you're uncomfortable with it, then no problem. And so I think of the 60 people, I think only two or three people said um, they, weren't, they weren't comfortable with it. Actually, most of them said, um, hold on, I want to give you a new draft and get a new score so that they're the people that are, um, that are downloading the script are looking at the most recent draft. Oh, that was nice of you to, uh, yeah. <laughs> to uh, give them that option and that choice. Sure. Um, and that's one thing that I found is that SpecScout's very accessible. It's, uh, and again, I'm, I, I don't advocate that any writer in particular go out and get, you know, pay a bunch of money to have their script sure. read unless it's warranted, unless they feel like it. But if you're doing that, at least do your research and find the ones that you think are valuable for your money. And again, Spec Scout's not only reading service, coverage service with, and posting service, but also I think what's great is your relationship based on Scoggins' report of with reps and, and, and agents and managers. Yeah, that's been a pretty big advantage. So yeah. I'm really looking forward to um, I'm really looking forward to you know be, having more and more material to recommend to my friends, basically. Sure. Now we're sort of running low on time. Is there anything else in particular that you wanted to tell listeners about Spec Scout or the Scoggins Report, which I think I've already promoted, up the wazoo, and I, I actually promote it a lot because <laughs> I do read the Scoggins Report regularly. Uh, but is there anything in particular you wanted to mention to listeners about Spec Scout? Um, well, I think we've covered it fairly well. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I tend to be one of those guys that doesn't like to, it's, I'm not super comfortable with self-promotion, sure. but Spec Scout, you know, I really believe in the service that we're providing. Uh, what I would say is if you're interested, go to specscout.com. Click on the four screenwriters button at the top, and you can get a pretty good sense of what we're doing. Um, there's testimonials from some of the uh, from some of the writers who have, you know, like I said earlier, of the of the many hundreds of um, of scripts that we've done over the last year, we've had like three people who were unhappy, and everybody else. Um, we're ecstatic, and you'll you'll see some of that stuff there. So you can get a sense of what we're doing um, just by going to specscout.com and clicking on the for screenwriters button. Um, and then the other thing you mentioned, the Scoggins report. The if if you know that's a free weekly newsletter that I do. So if you click the blog button on specscout.com, um, there's a a box pretty close to the top, and you just put your email address in there, and um, you'll get on my mailing list and. Um, get all the numbers and information that I'm providing out there through the Scoggins Report for free. Yeah, and there's no reason for aspiring screenwriters, uh, or even veteran screenwriters, not to get this information. It's free. <laughs> it's totally useful. It takes a lot of your time, but it takes zero of our time to uh, get the information. And uh, I mean, if you're serious about the business, you want to know what's selling, who's buying, um, what type of material selling, that kind of stuff, who's selling it, the reps. It's just huge, and it's free, and so there's no reason not to do that. Well, thank you. I think one thing that um, you sort of alluded to it a second ago, one of the things that the Scoggins Report can give aspiring writers in particular is a sense of what kind of material is being sold by which agents and managers. Absolutely. And, and the reason that's important is um, agents and managers tend to have a particular taste. Like, so I like big studio action movies. I'm going to be more inclined to... Um, to be looking for material that suits my taste. So I might not be as interested in a, uh, like a little road movie or, or um, you know, a, a personal drama. Right. Uh, and it, I just might not respond to it. So the point is that as, a, as you're looking for a manager or an agent, knowing what their taste is is important. And you can use the Scoggins Report that way by looking at what sold in the previous month, who sold it, and just sort of getting a sense of what they like. Absolutely. And, 
even something about personalizing queries, even just briefly, obviously long queries are not good. You want your query to be short and sweet, brief mm -hmm. to the point. It's mostly about the log line. But yep. if you can mention them selling a spec that was similar to yours last month, and how do you find out about that spec? Well, you read it on the Scoggins report that you know this agent or this manager sold this spec, and it, you're, you write, you think that yours is not, not obviously a similar story, but you know another action thriller that might sure. interest them. That can only help. It shows that you've done your research, you know the business, um, you know who they are, you know what they've done at least, mm -hmm. um, and that makes that could be the difference between them sending you a read request and versus hitting the delete key. You know, absolutely. Um, so that's something to, to consider. And again, the information is free, so I don't know why you wouldn't utilize it. <laughs> that's um, what I tell all my friends. Yeah. So we do have a quick uh, section called Rapid Fire. It's just uh, a few quick questions there just for fun. Sure. Um, since you are Jason, if you were going after the Golden Fleece, who would be your first addition to your Argonauts? Oh, uh, that's a great question. Nicholas Cage, who played Caster Troy in Face Off. Danny DeVito, who voiced uh, Philocrates in Disney's Hercules animated film, or Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who plays the title role in the upcoming Brett Ratner film, Hercules? Uh, Dwayne Johnson. I mean, you got to have a strong <laughs> right arm, right? That guy, that guy will solve any problem. Yeah, he probably would. <laughs> he just has that look about him. I mean, if I, want, uh, if I want comic relief, I'm going with DeVito. And if yeah. I want, uh, you know, thinking outside the box, maybe Nick Cage, but I'm, I'd go with The Rock for yeah. sure. I have to agree with you on that one. <laughs> You're an L.A. guy, so uh, Lakers, Dodgers, or Kings? Um, Dodgers. Okay. And how would you describe SpecScout as a script evaluation service and tracking site? Outstanding, tremendous, or Scoggins-tastic? <laughs> tremendous. I don't think anyone should use the phrase Scoggins-tastic. I disagree. I would rate it Scoggins-tastic. <laughs> well, you're too kind. There you go. Um, and do you have any last thoughts or advice for aspiring screenwriters? Um, yeah, I've got two pieces of advice. I say this pretty frequently, and it's not exactly um, you know, earth-shatteringly new, but there's two things that every screenwriter should do. I think write, just keep writing. Like I said earlier, I think, I think writing is a skill, and the more you do it, the better you get. The other thing I think that everyone should do is read as much material, much good material as you possibly can. Um, there's lots of ways to find um, screenwriter or screenplays online, um, and the more good material you read, the more you'll have a sense of uh, not just convention and format, but also sort of you know a way to approach storytelling that resonates for the business. Um, my taste and my ability to, you know, be an agent when I was an agent and be a manager when I was a manager was really driven by the amount of material that I read. I read every pilot every season when I was a TV lit agent, for example. Right. So the more you read, the more you know also, but, but more importantly, the more a sense of what your own material needs to look and feel like. Uh, I think it's really important. So both of those pieces, keep writing and keep reading. Absolutely. And you, you mentioned Go Online. We do have a page on our site that has uh, all the Academy-nominated scripts Perfect. for the past Perfect. few years, yeah. uh, as well as links to other sites that we have links to other sites that have a ton of other scripts. Uh, so that's absolutely great. You can follow Jason on Twitter at jscoggins and follow SpecScout on Twitter at SpecScout. And of course, if you want to check out SpecScout, uh, it's specscout.com. And uh, even if you just check out Scoggins Report for now, that's, again, I... I can't emphasize that enough. That's 
important to do that. Tracking the board is, is great too, but uh, I, you know we're talking to Jason Scoggins, so we're going to push the Scoggins <laughs> board today. But, I mean, there's some great. I like the tracking board people. They they do great work as they well. They do absolutely. Uh, Scoggins report's free. You have no reason not to get it. It's going to be a huge asset. I appreciate you coming on, Jason. Thanks for talking to us today. It's been my pleasure, Kevin. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Yeah, and of course, you can find us on Twitter at Scripts and Scribes, or at Scripts Scribes. Excuse me, there's no hand in the middle there, just at Scripts Scribes, and on Facebook, uh, Facebook backslash Scripts and Scribes. And thanks for listening.